Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we will see a prototype of prayer as exemplified by the Apostle Paul. It's legitimate to say that you can learn to pray like an apostle, and as you learn, you'll reinforce what you've already discovered in Ephesians. Not a surprise, the title of this week's message is Pray Like an Apostle. Please follow along with Pastor Jim in today's slice of this week's message. Uh, The King James, for this reason, used the word understanding instead of the word heart. Um, The word is actually cardia, all of our words, cardiac, cardio, the, they all come from this, uh, this Greek word. But there's something important about it that you have to understand. In English, we usually use the word heart as the center of our emotions. Uh, we say things like, uh, uh, okay, these are going to be old. You young people will explain them to you later. We say things like, I left my heart in San Francisco. Well, you are in a bad way if you actually left your heart in San Francisco. I think the Greek word for that would be dead. Okay? You can't go leaving your heart someplace. Well, what do you mean? I have incredibly joyful memories of whatever happened in San Francisco. Okay? Or, I was thinking about this one. Um, Bear in mind, I didn't grow up as a Christian, so I didn't go to church on Sunday nights. Uh, And that was when Ed Sullivan was on. And I remember, uh, not Ed Sullivan, um, actually it was Saturday night, Lawrence Welk. I remember a really good arrangement of people sing, singing, Zing went the strings of my heart. That doesn't make even a tiny bit of sense. But we know exactly what it means, right? Because we think of heart being tied to emotion. But both the Greek and Hebrew languages, and therefore both the New and Old Testaments, equate heart with the whole center of the being. More like we use the word mind or person or will. And this phrase, the eyes of your heart, tells you that theologically speaking, your heart involves your ability to grasp things, your ability to understand spiritual truth, your ability to relate to what God has said to you. In other words, the heart is used figuratively for you might say, the hidden springs of the personal life. It's, it's the center of you. The Bible describes your depravity as a heart problem, right? Matthew chapter 15, out of the heart, that's where you get evil thoughts, adulteries, murders, all of those things. And in the New Testament, the heart describes the, the, the seed of evil, but it's also the seed of things where God works in the renewed heart, the seed of your uh, moral life, your, na- your, 
your, your, your moral nature, your spiritual life. It's where grief comes from and where joy comes from, the, the desires, the, the affections, the longings, the perceptions, the thoughts, the understanding, the understanding your, 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 all your reasoning powers, your imagination, your conscience, your intentions, the, the purposes that you, that you seek to fulfill, all that is from the heart. So when the Bible talks about feelings, it isn't talking about the heart. And when it talks about the heart, it's talking about something far more profound than feelings. As a matter of fact, when the Old and New Testaments, which are very consistent in the use of the word heart, when they describe the powerful feelings, they use a word that literally means inward parts. And as the English language has changed, our use of terminology has changed a bit. For example, um, the King James translated this word by bowels, meaning your, your guts in those things. And just to give you an example, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 4, the, the book about romantic love between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. Song of Solomon 5, 4 says in the King James Version, My beloved put his hand to the latch of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. Okay? Hallmark, where are you when we need you? Okay? We can memorize a verse. Okay. Well, that shows you, there's that thing about when you're profoundly moved, it jumbles up your guts, doesn't it? Good or bad. That's the point. The spiritual change and growth in your life don't come from feelings. They come from growing and increasing in your understanding and application of the Word of God. It's when you have illumination to understand the inspired revelation that is how you grow. The best way to bring about spiritual growth is not to act upon your feelings and experiences. It's to bring your feelings and experiences under the authority and the control of the Word of God. And He operates through your heart. Now, I've got to stop there. And Remember, I made a big deal about saying this is since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened. In other words, since you have come to Christ, since you have experienced the new birth, since you now have the Holy Spirit, I've got to ask you, are the eyes of your heart enlightened? It's, it's not just intellectual stuff, and it's certainly not just attending church. It's not just saying certain things. It's certainly not just doing rituals like we did a we did a reminder of the the life and the death of Jesus Christ around the around the Lord's table this morning but are the eyes of your heart enlightened because this prayer can't apply to you unless they are unless you are in Christ you know do you know for sure that if and we don't wish this on anyone but if god forbid you were to die today, do you know for sure? Do you have confidence? Are you steadfastly assured that you would immediately go to be in the presence of the Lord? And the follow-up question to that is, 
if that happened, and if the Lord stopped you and said, why should I allow you into my presence? What would you say? If your answer has anything to do with anything you've done, you don't understand the right answer. Because nothing you've done can get you into the presence of the Lord. It's only what the Lord has done that He has granted to you as a free gift completely on the basis of His grace. You can come and if you should be asked that question, and you won't be because you won't be in the presence of the Lord unless you belong to Him, but if you were asked that question, the right answer is, I am here only because of what your Son did for me, shedding His blood to make atonement for my sin. Do you have a hunger and thirst for the Word of God? Because this is the prayer. The eyes of your heart having been enlightened that you will know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Now let's look at the other specifics of this prayer. And I think you'll see three things that Paul wanted the Ephesian believers to know. One of them is right here the hope of His calling. This is a, another way of describing God's plan. Your hope is your settled assurance. Remember, your, your confidence in the plan of God. You know, hope, the settled confidence and the assurance of the future that God is in control of it and He will bring it to His appointed end. In other words, he prayed they would understand just what it is they've been called to. This is an eternal plan that you're part of. Remember how he starts out with Blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. In love He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. It started in eternity past. It's brought to fruition in eternity in the future. And everything in between there is Him working out His plan for His own glory. And do you understand that you have a part in that plan? That's where praying so diligently comes in. Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm going along. I'm, I'm trying to do this thing, and this, and this awful thing happened. Lord, how can, I, how can I honor you here? Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Let me see with the eyes of my heart what your word has to say to me. Second thing that we have here besides the hope of his calling is the riches of the glory of His inheritance. That refers back to what we said, well, let's see, way back, oh, last Sunday. We talked about our inheritance and the the certainty of our inheritance. So you are part of this eternal plan. You want to say, well, how do I do my part? Well, you have some resources. Move on to verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? believe. These are are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might. So the third thing He wants you to understand is the surpassing greatness of His power toward toward us who believe. Do you realize that you have, by virtue of the power of God flowing through your life, all of this same power that raised Christ from the dead? This is the guarantee 
of the riches. This is the guarantee of the joyous outcome of the plan of your life. And I, and I want you to get a load of this power. Right there in that uh, verse 19 that I just showed you, there are four words that uh, describe this power of God that is at work in you. There's the word power. We get our English word dynamite from this. The Greek word is dunamis. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.